Hello and welcome to the latest edition of TNC's 15 Minutes of Football podcast. I'm Johnny Bentley, your host, and once again, I'm joined by James. Hi, everyone. Well, that was better than the second, uh, the first edition where my Wi-Fi suddenly conked out. So, yeah, I mean, 15 Minutes of Football podcast, we talk about the most complex of football topics in 15 minutes or less, bite-sized amount with enough detail. Uh, well, that's what we think anyway. Four big topics. This is centred around deadline dates. This is conversations broadcast filmed on deadline day, but it will go out the day after deadline day. So hopefully we cover everything and don't miss out on any potential Lionel Messi uh, saga transfers in the last few hours of this day. Um, so hopefully it's still legitimate. Four big topics. We're going to look at Manchester United for the rights and the wrongs. Hopefully pull out a few pluses for them in a bleak time. But our second 15-minute topic will be on certain deals that have been completed on deadline day and over the over recent days. Our third 15-minute topic will be who has won the window. There's a lot of um, potential candidates there, including James's Chelsea. And our fourth 15-minute topic will be things that didn't happen, which maybe we wanted to happen or thought would happen, but it didn't. So four lovely topics there centred around a deadline day theme. And we'll start, I suppose, with Manchester United. They play at the Theatre of Dreams. More recently, it's been the Theatre of Screams. And on you know, their transfer front, it's also been quite miss more than hit. Although, on a, on a positive note, well, I'm going to start with a positive note because it's always nice to do that. I do think they've got potentially two very, very good signings on board. I think one's an absolute... One's more of a certainty than the other. And I'll, just, and I'll just explain what I think briefly and then we'll go into it in more detail. So they've got Alex Tellez and Edinson Cavani. And I think Tellez for 13 and a half million roughly with a small amount extra in add-ons, I think that's a bargain. I think there's a lot of comparisons you could make with uh, Regulion, who's gone to Tottenham. He's a very attack-minded fullback uh, that's impressed um, in Europe. Um, he's very fast and purposeful with his running. Very skillful, has a rocket left foot, excellent crossover of a ball, takes a lot of set pieces, including penalties for Porto. And this season, he already has two goals and two assists in three Liga Nosh appearances. So that's indicative of his attacking talents. The only questionable point with uh, Tellers, a bit like Regulion, is, is he maybe a really, really good going forward left back, a full back that maybe leaves a bit defensively to be desired? Yeah. But still, I think for that price, I think they've got a really good option there. And then with Cavani, I do honestly believe if this guy stays fit, he's a proven goal scorer. But not only that, I think he's an absolute workhorse uh, with the right attitude and the right profile. I personally think, even though he's 33, I still think he's got the right profile for Manchester United. Hardworking, nuisance, genuine top quality. Someone who can lead the press, certainly better, I think, than maybe Anthony Martial on a consistent basis, someone who won't uh, let up with his work ethic, someone who will bully defenders, someone who will score goals. The only issues that we have, obviously, aside from age, are quite high wage, uh, as you'd expect. And he's also had a few injury dribbles in the past two seasons, for only 14 league and appearances last season, uh, 21 the season before. But if we go back to his 16-17 season, um, I think that was when Ibrahimovic had just left, and he was the main man up front, 49 goals in 50 appearances. So, you know, I, I mean, that is, again, indicative of the, a man who has been one of Europe's best strikers, I believe, consistently, maybe maybe excluding with injuries the past two seasons. But before that, you know, I, th I think he was a proven performer. So that's sort of my, my ideas in brief on those two. I think there's a lot of potential there, even though there's a lot of negativity, particularly with Cavani. I think they could both potentially be very good signings for United. James? I agree. Mm. I absolutely agree with that. Um, Tennis is uh, a, player, a player that a lot of clubs have looked at. Uh, I know that Chelsea looked at him uh, for a long time, and he was linked with Leicester, I think, at one point. Uh, he, was, he was linked with a lot of clubs, uh, and yeah, it didn't seem to happen for a while, but 
Yeah, Man United have got a good deal there. For the price that they've got him at, that's a very, very good deal. And um, even if he doesn't actually come off in terms of the defensive side of the game, that's, I mean, it's not like they've spent loads of money on him, you know. So it's a low risk, low risk signing. Uh, and certainly, I, especially, I think he'll do well, especially in the Champions League. It's very suited to that competition. And if you think that Juan Bissaka is kind of a more defensive fullback, that will probably allow him a bit more freedom to get forward and attack. You know, much like um, at Chelsea, you have Aspilicueta, who's quite a defensive fullback. Then you have Ben Chilwell on the left, who gets forward and crosses, assists, scores, scores, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, that could be a very good signing for them. Cavani, yeah, if he's fit, will be a very good signing for them. That's a big if, because he's had a bad time with injuries. He's not missed a lot of games with injury. Um, but again, somebody who will probably do really well in the Champions League for almost certain more time on the ball, you know, less physical kind of thing. But yeah, um, and but just off the pitch, we'll add something yeah. to Man United yeah. in terms of his work ethic, his example. He will be a great mentor for the likes of um, Greenwood, help him develop um, and learn. So yeah, there's, there's a couple of decent signings there for Man United. It's not the signings that they wanted. Because we know they wanted Jaden Sancho, we know that they, you know, that Solskjaer wanted more than than he's got, and better than he's got. He wanted, I think, he wanted a centre back. I think he wanted, I, I think he wanted Jaden Sancho. Um, I think it's becoming. I think they've bought Van der Beek, but I think they need a defensive midfielder more than they needed Van der Beek personally, um, because you know, I mean, they haven't. They haven't looked good in the first few games defensively at all. So, yeah, and it's an interesting time at Manchester United because uh, we've seen this pattern before. We saw it with Van Gaal, I think, in his last season. Well, he wasn't really backed in the summer. Uh, like, this is this pattern. A new manager comes in, his first summer, he's really backed. You know, it happened with Van Gaal, happened with Jose Mourinho. Second summer, doesn't get backed as much. And doesn't do as well, and ends up getting backed as a result. Well, the well, the the thing, James, actually, there is that often they've done, they've been backed when they've been outside of the Champions League to get back into the Champions League, yeah. which is a real money uh, exactly. winner yeah. for the board. And then when they're in the Champions League, it's almost like they they put the brakes on the spending because they've got a big financial injection as a result of getting there. And then when they go back out of the Champions League, they sack the manager. The manager takes a lot of the flag, um, and then they then they reinvest then they reinvest heavily again to get back into the Champions League. And then instead of yeah. going that next step again, they go one back because yes, you know it's the real problem with United is the structure of the club. It's not a football structure; it's a business structure. Mm. It's really centered around profit. Mm. Uh, and you talk to a lot of Man United fans. You see them on social media, the big Man United accounts. This is what they all say. They're basically interested in profit. Players that are often big players that are bought for big money are players that are marketable, who can grow the brand. Uh, it's all about the brand and all about the you know the likes on, on social media, all this kind of thing, rather than about the football. They don't have a proper director of football. They don't. The, the football side is not the is not the number one priority. You know other than qualifying for the Champions League and bringing in money. It doesn't seem to be a, long, a long-term strategy. I think Solskjaer has tried to bring in a long-term strategy in terms of recruiting younger talent and trying to get them to play more like Manchester United and then bringing in a few academy players and developing that. And he's done a good job with that. But it just seems that the same cycle is going to repeat itself again. And until that, and until that things change at the further up at the club, and they change their priorities, it's probably not going to change. Mm. Well, some of the fans, James, actually have been quite sympathetic to Solskjaer in terms of what's happening results-wise on the pitch in ways they maybe weren't under Jose Mourinho because they're sort of recognising the patterns that are going on, as we've just alluded to. That even though they, yeah. they're getting a deja vu each time with with their managers. And you do look at the players, and I do think actually that, you know, I 
Solskjaer did wonderfully well actually after in that toxic atmosphere to get them to play freely, to be happy, and he got them all all, all performing on the pitch largely. But and he also yeah. did that in the restart. But there seemed to be an expectancy from all the all of that squad, you know, even the big players, Pogba, Shaw's mentioned it, and, and, and others, that they were going to get three or four big, you know, Jade and Sancho, everyone expected to go, and then as you say, two or three more players. And it seems like when that didn't happen, the players on the pitch just suddenly lose that enthusiasm because they, they think, oh, you know, why, you know, we the club aren't serious about this, and it's almost like. Maybe that's out of it was out of Solskjaer's hands, out of Mourinho's hands, because they are upset with what's happening above them, and the players haven't really been convinced by any manager. Maybe because the managers aren't even convinced that what's going on is right. And as you say, James, how can you, the players, be completely focused on delivering every single week when they're not convinced about anything about where this club's going? Especially the like, I know Paul Pogba gets a lot of criticism, and probably rightly so in some in some parts. But Paul Pogba strikes me as maybe a player who needs the, you know, experience and maturity of others around him to to set the tempo, to set the tone. And if they do that, then maybe Paul Pogba does that. But people are looking to Paul Pogba to do that, and I, I don't think he's that kind of player. He's a brilliant player, but he's not someone who's necessarily going to start the press. Or you know, it's not because it's not because that's a bad that you know. Not, lots of players don't do that. Lots of players need other players to do that. And I think that, that there's too many maybe at United that don't do that. And there's too many that are, are easily unfocused by what's going on around them. It's so hard, isn't it, when you think that the manager who's in charge of the club hasn't got the full support of the people above him, and then the yeah. players are thinking, then, well, you know. Luke Shaw, who I think has been terrible, actually, since the uh, restart. So it's no surprise that Telles has come. But he's been vocal and said, you know, I, I was, we're expecting players to come to this squad. And they haven't. And Solskjaer's probably not one to criticise above. And, he, and it, the, st- the sort of the status quo, ca- quo kind of carries on. And you're just in this never-ending cycle, aren't you, of... of almost doing well, almost getting there and then not making those steps and the players get confused and then the players get unenthusiastic and it's just a never-ending cycle of underwhelming. Yeah. And yeah, and the, the sad, you know, and Manchester United are a great, a, great, a great football club. They're a big club and they have the highest expectations and their fans have the highest expectations and it's it's really sad for them because... You know, they deserve, the fans deserve better certainly than they're yeah. getting from the ball. Well, um, and it, as long as that that people those people are in place at the club, it's going to be the same. Unfortunately, it's difficult. It's um, be, like, you can't see them becoming the Premier League champions or turning for the Champions League, uh, or even being in the Champions League on a consistent basis hmm. for the foreseeable future. You know, oh, because uh, you know, and that's they're kind of having a period like Liverpool had, you know, after after 1990, the way they just, you know, I mean, and it, and football does go in cycles, you know, yes. Man United will, will come again, but it won't be, won't be, won't be under the current ownership, I don't think. Mm. Unless uh, maybe they find just some miracle worker. I mean, Arsenal are under, a, 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 as, as I just touched on before the podcast, Arsenal are under very true. restricted yeah. owners. And, and you, you already see the signs of someone who is willing to work under some restrictions, but not willing to completely bow down to them in a, in a way he's getting a balance maybe between what Solskjaer's doing and what Jose Mourinho did and in, uh, in whether Arteta is the miracle worker that he may or some are maybe building him up to be maybe he's looking like we'll have to see but it's it's a hard one to fill I think and it's difficult I mean Jose Mourinho one of the best managers in the past you know in, in the 21st century and he was eaten alive, I think someone described by by the challenge at Man United and, and obviously Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to struggle but as well and you do feel for him but just a few uh, notes that of, of players that have departed they've struggled to get a, a, a wage bill down but Chris Smalling looks like he's on his way to Roma, probably is on his way to Roma, has got joined Roma by the time this goes out, yeah, yeah. roughly for 15 million euros with 5 million euros in add-ons which is okay I think for a player yeah. that was that was out of uh, favour and yeah. uh, Dio- Diogo because honestly their defence kind of needs, yeah. needs you would but, argue yeah. yeah and Diogo Delo gone to AC Milan on loan 
never really got a chance under Solskjaer. Wan-Bissaka was usually the main man there, so he probably needs to sort of get some matches to rejuvenate his, re- reinvigorate his career. Um, and obviously they got rid of Alexis Sanchez before. And, uh, you know, they've got rid of a few other fringe players as well. But there's still a lot on that wage bill. And, uh, you know, I mean, we could talk about Man United for ages. So I'm going to try and summarise this quickly, I suppose. Maybe just touch on, as I say, also linked with Ahmad Traore, actually, of Atlanta winger. £27 million may join in January due to issues, um, work yeah, permit issues. One, yeah. Also sounds quite like quite an, quite an exciting talent. And I do, I would say that him, Van der Beek, Cavani and Tellez, or you know, well, the three currently now Tellez, Cavani, Van der Beek, in theory, you know, on paper, they are very good signings. They are very good signings. And there is a bit of hope, I guess, in that someone, you know, these can be integrated into the team because, well, I think Cavani is assuming for that he should be assuming for the team. Tellez probably should take over left back and, you know, give as opposed to just waiting his bad his time because Shaw's been terrible. And uh, Traore hopefully comes in maybe in January or something and starts to work well in as other young players have worked. But it, it's difficult, I suppose, to be too positive, given on the back of six one loss, given on the back of you know missing out on big key targets. However, for Man United fans, I do think there is a small amount of optimism with the two that are coming in this time, and I do think Cavani could surprise a few doubters if he can stay on the pitch because I think he's a very very good player. And I think he'll usurp what Falcao did when he went to Old Trafford. I don't think it'll be too hard to do that. Anyway, that's that's United closed, and we'll go on to uh, just just general deadline deals now, and, and 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 talk about people that have come in today, people that have come in recently. We'll try and cover as many of these as possible. Uh, it's been quite a few, uh, and I'll uh, we'll start with Bayern Munich, James. Actually, we're talking about this before you know we came. Onto the podcast. Uh, interesting day for Bayern Munich. Eric Maxim-Chu promoting on a free. Um, the former Stoke City man who got a move to PSG did pretty well in the Champions League. I think he, he scored against Atalanta and made quite an impact off the bench. Now he's got uh, a move to um, to Bayern Munich. Um, and, on, and alongside that, Douglas Costa has joined on a loan deal from Juventus. Uh, and also Bonasar Lots of SARS going around um, today on the, on social media has joined from Marseille, uh, right back who uh, for, for roughly ten million euros. Sorry, right back who will challenge Benjamin Pavard without forcing Joshua Kimmich or Joshua Kimmich. I think it was is it pronounced he's by himself uh, without pushing him out of his favoured CDM position, which he's brilliant in. He's brilliant at right back. He's brilliant everywhere. He's a great player, Kimmich. I mean, some interesting signings there for the German champions, James. Yeah, it look, look a lot like squad players, a lot of these players. Which, to be fair, is probably all they need because of their first their first choice 11 picks itself kind of thing. So, you know, <laughs> you can't really see where they'd sign a player to add to their, add to their first 11. It's, it's, mm. um, it's yeah, it's because uh, it's so strong. And a lot of it's quite young. Mm. Obviously, there's some experienced players there like Muller, you know, Lewandowski, uh, who are a bit older. But, um, but yeah, yeah, interesting. Like, experienced signs. I think the Douglas Costa one, I think next summer, I think it's a year alone. Because I, I've got this theory. They will, come, they will go for a big for a, for a winger next summer. And, if, mm. and they've tried to sign Callum um, Hudson-Odoi from Chelsea two years in a row. Uh, well, actually, three win. I think they tried to sign him in January uh, twenty eighteen uh, or something like that, twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Then, then last summer, and now they tried again. Now they're not going to give up on him. I don't think they'll try and get him next summer. I don't think they will get him next summer, mm-hmm. um, but they might. Uh, they'll try. And of course, Jaden Sancho will be available next summer. Mm. Um, that wouldn't you? You, you wouldn't. You wouldn't would be like surprised. That. No. I mean, they do have two very good wingers, though, in uh, Serge Gnabry yeah, yeah. and uh, and Leroy Sané. Leroy Sané injured at the moment, so we think maybe that's why there was a clamber to bring someone in on loan like Douglas Costa. Lots of experience, decent player, um, has a check checkered injury record, but uh, certainly a good backup for for Bayern. Um, a few other ones as well before we move on. Some of the some other ones. Uh, 
like the Partey deal, which is interesting. But also Ryan Sessegnon to uh, on loan to Hoffenheim. I guess when Regulion came in, and it's Regulion and Davies, uh, as good as Sessegnon is, or as much potential as he has, that's you know he had limited opportunities before. I mean, they just became even more limited. So it'd be good for him. Yeah. Uh, exciting talent when he was at Fulham to get an opportunity in the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope he does well there because he's definitely got ability. Uh, Versatility as well. He just needs regular football mm. and you'll start to see it. I, I, I was a big fan of his at Fulham. Um, I mm. thought he was excellent and yeah. uh, just never really got a chance to establish himself, you know. So. Arguably left too soon, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think if he'd stayed another year, having the played, uh, mm. how long has he been at Spurs? Two years? Yeah. If he'd yeah. gone, to, if he stayed, if he'd stayed with Fulham when they were in the Premier League before, and then left them when they got relegated, uh, that would have been that would have been better. Would have been better. Had, a year, had a year's experience playing regularly in the Premier League, and mm. uh, then he would have been ready to to go into a club and start. You know, yeah, I uh, probably yeah. left a year too early. Yeah, so yeah, um, hope he does well. I should have yeah. done that. And just, just a word on actually, we talk about uh, Douglas Costa going out on loan uh, to Bayern, but also Federico Chiesa from, or Chiesa, apologies for the pronunciation, I always forget, uh, from Fiorentina, 50 million uh, euros. Andre Pirlo spending big on an exciting young talent, but some people aren't convinced it's a polarizing one. There's 50 million euros, but in, in, in Pirlo's been operating with a three at the back with wing backs, um, and people aren't convinced. That he gets into the Juventus team, um, but I guess that's one we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think he's building something. I think Perlo is trying to rebuild Juventus, trying to bring in younger players. Mm. He's got rid of, he's got rid of uh, obviously Higuain, Douglas Costa, Douglas Costa. But know, Chiellini's finding a bit of a resurgence under him. I think Chiellini's pref- uh, obviously Chiellini's someone he's played with. Uh, you know, finding a bit of reserve, just playing in that back three. He didn't always play under um, under Maurizio Sarri, so blend of both, I think. Um, yeah. Interesting one from ex Chelsea manager Antonio Conte, Matteo uh, Darmian uh, on a loan from Palmer. Uh, Conte's yeah. uh, Conte's reach for ex Premier League yeah. performance. Yeah, he was linked with a few with um, a few Chelsea players too. He was linked with. Victor Moses again, Alonso, I'm missing, but uh, none of those came off. So, yeah, he's gone for Damian. That's, a, again, good player. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, he, he didn't really work for him at United, but I feel like he was a good defensive player. Maybe not yeah. too exciting going forward. Yeah. He's a solid defensive player. Yeah, he fits the Italian league perfectly, and he'll, he'll, he'll do well under Conte. Yeah, uh, that's, that's nice. I mean, uh, just... Also, uh, looking at some of the other ones. Oh, uh, well, I'll, I'll hop back to the. Uh, actually, no, we can we can do another one, uh, another one, another uh, episode of foreign affairs. Well, I suppose with relation to the Premier League, in that Felipe Anderson might be going. Uh, it seems like he's going on um, leaving West Ham to join Porto. Well, um, that, yeah, I've just seen breaking news about that. That that plan is not going to happen. Not happening. Uh, <laughs> it's all a lie. It's fake news. Just before we started recording, I saw that that might be off. Mm. Uh, so drama there. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I mean, he Felipe Anderson. He may still go on loan. And uh, Felipe Anderson, James, is a classic. I mean, David Moyes is all about honest integ- integ- integrity with his players. He wants people who's going to give 100% work really hard. Felipe Anderson, lots of talent, doesn't, doesn't do 100% every week. Is it played for David Moyes? That's right. Yeah, and I read that um, Felipe Anderson wants to play for West Ham, but just not under mm. David Moyes. No, he's fair <laughs> enough. Before, I suppose. Um, so neither does Jack Wilshire either, James, does he? Because his contract's been terminated. That's right. His contract's been terminated. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for him because because he's mm. a talented player. You know, huge promise. Where will he go? Assuming uh, he's not gone anywhere by tomorrow. I mean, he's on a free. He's been released. He's on a free, so he can move yeah. whenever he wants. He can. Um, if I were him, I would drop down to the championship. Really? Um, he needs to. He needs to play regular football. He's not going to do that in the Premier League. He's unlucky. I think he's a talented player, and yeah, and honestly, he would. 
a move to the championship would be good for him because it's, it's less intense than the Premier League. He would play every week and uh, it would get him playing football again, get his confidence back. And if he's a team that's maybe pushing to to you know to um, get into the playoffs or to win the champ, win the championship, get promoted, it would be good for him. You know, uh, it would be good for his career, rejuvenate his career. That's what he needs right now. Sometimes you've got to take a step back to take a step forward. Mm. You know, uh, I don't know a club uh, like yeah or like a club that. A club that that's in the championship that's competitive. To be honest, I mean, I look at a few of the uh, promoters. I, I don't see if he. I think he could get into Fulham's team, maybe West Brom's team. I don't, or at least being in around those. I think there's a few Premier League clubs that he could maybe look at. But I suppose you're right. I suppose looking at regularity of football uh, is is an issue there. I guess. Um, just before we move on to the big ones, I'll just run through. Um, a few other ones. I mean, Ryan Ait Nori. Apologies for pronunciation. Loan to uh, loan from Angers. Again, my pronunciation is all over the place. But that's for Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, after Vinagre uh, was, um, it, well, it, it, I think he has gone to Olympiacos, or at least he will be going. And also, there's been an injury to Marcel, so they don't have a proper left wing back. Um, You've also alluded, James, Loftus Cheek to Fulham. Uh, yeah, that's a good move for for both club, both sides. I think you'd imagine uh, so. Malang Sar as well, James to Porto. Porto, yeah, that's an interesting one. I I, I didn't think I, I knew he was going to go on loan. Didn't know that, that he go to Porto. Mm. Interesting fact about Porto um, Portuguese league generally is that the, the, the deadline there apparently is the twenty fifth of October. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, Champions League deadline is tomorrow, but the Portuguese League deadline is the 25th of October. So uh, you could see players. I mean, like for example, the the the, um, the Halla, uh, is it Halla? No, Philippe Anderson. Philippe Anderson can still go to Porto after mm. after today. So yeah, he just wouldn't be able to watch the Champions. space. Yeah. So so there'll still be some moves to Portugal, I suspect, um, before. Mm. The, their deadline is over. And James, you said Tamori to West Ham. Is that a done deal? Is that is that on the loan deal you you've suggested? Well, a lot of a lot of very reliable, trustworthy West Ham and Chelsea sources are saying that it's 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 very close. The real, that probably means is, no. Then <laughs> that, that what happened. That what happened is that, uh, is that Chelsea wanted to loan Rudiger and keep Tamori, but Rudiger basically turned down every move he was offered. He was offered. He was offered West Ham, turned that down, offered Roma, I think, uh, turned that down. I think he wanted to go to Spurs yeah. mm. and he would not deal with Spurs, no. which I think is completely fair from a perspective. Those two clubs don't really do business. So, uh, so uh, and of course, being both rivals for the, for the top four, naturally yeah. we wouldn't do I mean, we have that. A, we haven't covered. So, um, he's ended up staying, which means that Tamori... Needs wants to play regular football. He wants to, so it's um, it's only fair for him to to get a loan. And and West Ham would be a good loan for him. I mean, he would yeah he'd play regularly there. You know, well, apparently um, on terms of loans, I mean, apparently Ericsson was offered uh, out by Inter Milan, but he doesn't have any suitors as of yet. Although, um, yeah, you know, at one point, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but two big two big ones which we haven't discussed, and we just left them to the end. Is uh, I think Ben Godfrey to Everton's a big one. Because I think, um, yes, you know, I, I think he's a very good side, very good. Uh, Norwich's best centre back, young, fast, good, good defensive instincts, good at playing out from the back. Struggled last year because Norwich weren't very good uh, in terms of a structure last year, and they played, I suppose, like tried to play like Liverpool, and it left them a bit, you know, in terms of attacking fullbacks, often leaving themselves two at the back, really exposed. Um, but I still think he's a very good uh, player, and I think he could potentially end up as a starter at Everton, but maybe not to begin with. And also, the, for me, the signing of the day, if it does go through by tomorrow, which it looks like it will, Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid, £45 million buyout clause. Um, I think they were the main target was Hussein Awar because he's he fits something they don't currently have with Ozil exiled in, in having a sort of playmaking midfielder who can create lots of things uh, in a higher advanced position on the pitch. Uh, I think Thomas Partey is more in the mould of Xhaka and Ceballos in terms of where he plays. However, I think he's better than both of those players. And, um, you know, it's certainly an upgrade in those sort of deepest number six slash more defensive-minded number eight positions. 
Yes, it is. He's a quality player, Thomas Partey. Absolute top-class player. Mm. Uh, he will improve any team that he joins. Uh, protects the back four. Also very good at passing, you know, progressing the ball. Uh, yeah. Uh, a very, very good player. And Atletico didn't want to lose him either. Yeah. I didn't think they were going to lose him. Well, Lucas Torreira is uh, going on loan, isn't he, I think? Lucas Torreira is going on loan. Lucas Torreira is to... going there on loan, yeah. But I think that most... Like most journalists were saying that, you know, Atletico don't expect to lose party today. Even this morning they were saying that. So, yeah, that happened quite late and uh, that's a very good move for Arsenal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he will definitely improve them. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's good recruitment by yeah. them. So, they've had a good window. Yeah, I mean, just a, just a few quick uh, ones to round off. I can't round everything off, but uh, in, in terms of in terms of today's deals and recent deals, we've got Ibrahim Ibrahima Diallo from Brest to Southampton, thirteen point six million. Basically, the Hoiberg replacement, I think, and they probably needed it. So that seems that seems to be a, a good deal for them. Also, Theo Walcott, I think, on loan from Everton, which is interesting. Going back to his old club, I'll be honest, yeah. I've not been convinced by Walcott for a good few years now, but. Uh, maybe a change of scenery will do him good. However, I, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to adapt to a really high pressing game by Ralph Hasenhut. Till I'm not entirely sure. But I know Southampton are a bit weak in terms of attacking depth. So whether he's one of the two front men, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, given oh. that, given that it's Ings, Adams, then Shane Long, who's getting on quite a bit, and then there's no other real striking option. Uh, Obafemi, but. He's not really considered start worthy, so maybe Walcott pops there up front. I don't know. So yeah, two good deals for Southampton. Burnley signed no one except for an under twenty three uh, player, so it's not been a particularly good day for my team. But we'll move yeah, on from uh, this. Interesting one for me. I'm Burnley. I'm just a bit concerned because they're not. I'm concerned. They're not. They're not, they're not playing playing that well. They no. they look kind of like a team who know their manager is leaving at the end of the season. Uh, and, you know, Deich is kind of openly kind of criticising transfer policy of the board. Doing a Jose. Yeah. You know, and uh, I like Burnley as a club. I like Sean Deich and I like you know, the way they set up and they've got some good players. In theory, they shouldn't be going down. But at the moment, it's, you know, it's not often, it's not always the players that get you relegated. It's that there's, there's often, sometimes there's a mood around the club mm. sets in and um, and it becomes toxic around the club and that Ooh. can bring you no matter how good players you have. What a wonderful so, segue, James, into um, into the next topic, which is the teams that have done well <laughs> in the uh, in the transfer <laughs> window. So if you wanted an opposite uh, view there, it's, it's probably not my club. Uh, but there have been some winners. I mean, you know, interestingly, I don't know. I'll, I'll throw this one to you actually. Um, just before we go on to the winners in the Premier League, I mean, depends what you depends what your class is winning really. But I, th- I would say Antonio Conte feels quite happy with how business has gone. You know, this season with Inter Milan. Because even though I wouldn't say spent crazily big, uh, he seems to have got a lot of the people who he wanted on board, which is l- largely experienced professionals who were dogged in their style of play. You know, as you described, James, he wanted to go to war with Arturo Vidal, or is this someone who would take to war with him? You yeah. know, and um, and I, yeah, I mean, uh, Nicola Barella as well. I think they signed after after uh, for from Cagliari. Uh, he played quite a lot for them last year, yeah. Um, and now they've got him on a permanent basis. Um, they've got Kolarov, who's, in, who's playing in the back three, uh, which is an interesting signing. But it seemed, he, I mean, he did a brilliant pass, actually, in, in, in one of the early games. I think they were playing Fiorentina. Brilliant crossfield pass uh, from the back. We actually saw him play as a centre-back under Guardiola at times and, and maybe very well suited to that back three with his experience. You've got Hakimi at wing back, who's many people would describe as one of the top three in his position in the world, as a, and I mean as a right back. So if we're looking at the attacking fullback, kind of as the as the more respected form of fullback now, I think some people have described him as one of the best in the world in his position, and he started really well. They've got him on board for a quite, I think it was only thirty eight million euros as well, so really good signing there. Um, Sanchez on the free, so. Yeah. That's actually a good signing, really, because, you know, other than, yeah, we know yeah. he had a terrible time at United, but looking better at, at, under Antonio Conte. Who, um, yeah, I mean, t- to be honest, 
And Vidal, of course, as well. Uh, Sante as well, midfielder. I think I think he's done quite well and, and not spent a fortune, which is perhaps a bit um, different for Conte. He likes to spend a lot of money, but they've got a lot of players and a, a lot of Conte personalities, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, they, they've recruited well. They've, they've got the players that he wanted. Mm. I think that's the thing, or the, certainly the positions that he wanted. Uh, you know, and he, he, everyone knows, everyone knows about um, Antonio Conte, <laughs> how he can be. Um, mm. I think, uh, uh, you know, he's quite demanding. But you know, I think I think Syria is going to be competitive. You know, you're going to have Juventus and Inter are going to be going for the title. I think, like mm. Napoli, Napoli, another team. I think mm. under, they've had a good. You know, they kept, kept Koulibaly. They got Osimhen. They got Osimhen. Yeah. You know, they so they they've done pretty well this window. To be fair to them, uh, as well. So it's it's. It's I think I said Sante as well, year. James. I, me- I meant Sensi. I was getting mixed. I was I was having a blending Conte and Sense, Conte and Sensi together, and becoming up with my own portmanteau. Um, in actual fact, uh, yeah, Sensi from Sassuolo as well is what I meant to say. Now, uh, eighteen million midfielder uh, alongside Barella, alongside Hakimi. Oh, um, Bahioko has gone to Napoli as well. Oh, um, there you go. To be honest, I always think with Bakayoko, even though there was a player in there, wasn't there? Judging by some of the performances that we've seen at Monaco. And what, what yeah, Chelsea played him as a box-to-box midfield player, which he's not. He's a, he's a pure defensive midfield player. And he played defensive midfield for Milan and did really well. And he's got mm. the same manager now down at the mm. league. And he's probably going to play the same role. So, yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely a part there. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, across the board in Europe, the Premier League's largely done, we talk about Inter doing quite well then, and Juventus, mm, uh, interesting. I think Bayern Munich have got a few decent signings in with Leroy Sané as well. I think they've had a, a largely decent window and keeping all the stars as well. I suppose they are European champions, so they can do. Um, I suppose Borussia Dortmund, Jude Bellingham on board. Uh, and also, I think, oh, and Thomas Mernier. But then Thomas Mernier is in with Akraf Hakimi, who was on loan. He's not back, and he was brilliant for them last season. Um, but, as we say, Bellingham and keeping, I think, the stars was key for Dortmund. So a team who usually sell all their big performers. They kept Sancho. Erling Haaland was probably always going to stay. He's not been there for too long, but he's still there as well, of course. Uh, Marco Royce would have always gone if it wasn't for his injury record. He's still there, of course. Julian Brandt's still there. Um, so I think particularly keeping the big stars at Dortmund, in particular Jadon Sancho, shows that they maybe have shown a bit more resistance than they have done in the past. By actually, when they're saying no to United, they actually did mean it this time. Yeah, fair play to, to, to Dortmund. Yeah, they told them. They told Man United, uh, get it done by this date, or he stays. Mm. Uh, there was a rumour that they'd actually agreed a fee, and then changed their mind and tried to pay less at the last yeah. minute. Classic <laughs> Woodward. Fell apart. Mm. And then, yeah, and then, yeah, and then Man United then thought that they could undercut the price and mm. and, and Dortmund didn't cave. They said, no, mm. you're paying £108 million, £120 million euros, or he doesn't move. And Sancho didn't look like he really pushed hard for the move either. Mm. He looked perfectly happy at, mm. at Dortmund and the reality with Jaden Sancho is that next summer there'll be much there'll be more clubs in for him. Uh, yeah. but, you know, next summer there'll be more money in football, probably in the market, I suspect. So you'd expect the likes of Bayern, you know, um, maybe Barcelona, Real Madrid, uh, Man City, maybe, uh, Liverpool, maybe even Chelsea if, if if in certain circumstances. Those there'll be loads more clubs in for him next summer. And uh, he'll have his pick. And Dortmund will be able to get a higher fee because of that, and uh, yeah, so they've got every they've got every right keeping him, and uh, I don't think he'll go to Manchester United now, no, because the first of all, I don't think Man United will be in the Champions League next year anyway, no, and second because this is because this has dragged out maybe, all maybe the Championship, James, <laughs> judging by uh, recent performances. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that Oof. would be funny, but um. Oof. 
uh, as a Chelsea fan. But uh, mm. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously. I mean, I think it, it, yeah. I, I don't think he would. There's two summers in a row. I mean, I was trying to sign Jaden Sancho and not got him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I don't think he's tied to Man United. I don't think he's got any loyalty to Manchester United. I think he'll go get from Manchester City you know, to the club. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know where he'll end up. You never know. Yep. Um, um, but he will yep. move next summer, I suspect. Back um, to England, though, James. Because you know, there'll be a lot of clubs. In- yeah, back to England. I mean, we um, talked a little bit I there. Think, I think he will move to the Premier Oh yes, no! I, I, I was just—I was bringing the comments. That was a segue I start, James. It was a segue start. I was—I was going to say back to England. We've got—we haven't really discussed the teams in the Premier League. I wasn't that, but yeah, no. Sancho maybe will go back to England. I don't know. I was, yeah. It works on both. It worked on two ways. But back to England. Oh yeah. Into the yeah, exactly. into the. Yeah, into the Premier League uh, teams, which were kind of neglected a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, there's a. Obviously Chelsea, really. I think Chelsea's the obvious one for, for winning a window when you when you basically cram two windows into one after after uh, last summer's efforts. And we've sort of we've talked about Chelsea a lot on, yeah. on here, and, and, and that's obvious, really. But also, you know, Everton, uh, in terms of what they've done with Godfrey today as well, sort of bolstering the centre-back options. Uh, Cuckoo, um, young, exi- young uh, exciting left-back to... As a backup to Luca Dean went under the radar. Uh, they actually talked today. I don't know if it will go ahead by the time this comes out. Probably not, by judging by Sergio Romero's wife's social media comments. But it sounds like Everton do actually want Sergio Romero on a loan deal, uh, and Sergio Romero wants to join Everton on a loan deal. And his wife says yeah. United are being very fair. I don't know. It means they pulled that off, James. I mean, I, again, we're, we're talking into the future now because this will go out when we find out if they've actually pulled it off or not. But if they did find a way, you know, coming hours after this podcast has been recorded, to find a deal for Romero, I mean, that would be a remarkable window, which strengthens another area of weakness, which is the goalkeeper, um, gives him a bit of competition. The midfield was also a big weakness in the restart last and during last season. They completely revamped the midfield. And they also brought Godfrey in to compete with some pretty good centre-back options they've got already. Um, it's hard to really grumble. I mean, the top of the league, um, and, and, and there's, there's an argument that, not that they could stay there maybe, but that they could make a push for the Champions League. Maybe? Yeah, I mean, I, didn't I, I think I predicted... Uh, I said Leicester last year. That took everyone by surprise, um, except for me. I, would be the club outside the top six, and, I, and now I think I think they'll finish in the top six. I think they absolutely will, and yeah, they could push for the Champions League places. There's no doubt about that. They will. I mean, they've got the thing is they've got a perfect balance. Mm. You look at their midfield; they've got a perfect balance. Any team yeah. could look at that. They've got a defensive midfielder, they've got a box-to-box midfielder, and they've got a playmaker attacking midfielder. Right, and they all complement each other, and that's why they're playing so well because it works. Yeah, every pl- every club is looking for that. Yeah, every balanced. club is looking for that, and the clubs that are successful now are the ones with the best midfield, the most balanced midfield. That's yeah, that's one of the reasons Man City isn't working right now because they haven't really got a proper defensive midfield player you know, who's like you know. I mean, that's not to say that the players haven't got they've got a bad, but they haven't got a kind of a party, you know, that's why Arsenal getting party is such a good, it's such a good move. So that's why Chelsea wanted Declan Rice so badly, yeah. you know, it, yeah. because, because everyone, every successful team needs a, needs a player like that. I mean, I think we've got, um, you know, I mean, with Arsenal, we talk about party. I, I do think we were talking about this a bit off, off, off the uh, pod, but they've, they've had an okay window, but it's nothing revolutionary. I mean, if Sol, if Solskjaer, if Arteta manages to get the top four with what they've done now, it's still a remark. It's a remarkable job because it's not a top four squad, really. Even with Thomas Partey, I don't think it is a top four squad. You talk about the balance in midfield. Arsenal don't have if they're going to keep Ozil exiled. They don't have a creative playmaker like Everton, maybe doing with James Rodriguez and like maybe Chelsea with uh, Havertz. Uh, United with Fernandez, uh, Tottenham with Lo Celso, 
and maybe Kane now actually, but uh, they don't have um, Arsenal still. They haven't addressed that issue. Also, William Saliba, who came in from Saint Etienne, he might get loaned out. I don't know uh, if that's going to happen today or or whenever. But it, there, there is there is talk that he needs for his own mental health. I think a return to France. Give it. It's been a tough year for him. I think his mum's died, and I think he struggled with the issues of. Uh, adjusting to a new country and so on. So Mikel Arteta suggested that he maybe does another year back in France, comes back a stronger player as a result of it. So I don't think it's it's necessarily been a, a, a groundbreaking window for Arsenal. And I don't think they're necessarily a winner of this window, even though they did get Gabriel and Partey would be a good sign as well. But I don't know. We, we talk, you're, you're, I think we're right to bring Everton up. You mentioned Villa actually, James, and I think you've probably got a point. To strengthen yeah. what they've done last year, and now look at—I mean, seven two over Liverpool is—you know—they're going to win the league. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, Villa have got have done very well this window. Mm. Uh, you've got to say, oh, I'm so bad at remembering names, but Ollie Watkins, the, the striker. Watkins from Brentford, great signing. Well, I they didn't have a striker, did they, James? And they had so much creativity, uh, but no striker. Yesterday, and they've signed um, Traore from Leon, who is a good player. Not even a starter. Depth. Yeah, That's... he gives some quality depth. Ross Barkley, I think, is an excellent. I agree. For um, yep. It's the perfect level for him to play regularly. Yeah. Um, wasn't going to play regularly at Chelsea. Nope. He wasn't. Uh, um, and and the goal, Emmy Martinez as well. Great signing, Emmy yeah, Martinez. Another one. Yeah, the goalkeeper. Yeah, fantastic. So. They've had a really good window, um, you know. So I think all those four teams have had very good windows. All of them will be much better this season than last year, and have made the most of the market. We mentioned, did we mention, mention Tottenham, didn't we? We uh, did a little bit, yeah. No, well, yeah, kind of. We talked about it a bit before. So well, I think. Koyberg, so, Doherty, Bale, oh, Vinicius, Vinicius, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, and yeah, they didn't probably didn't get the centre back that they wanted because uh, they wanted screen art, yeah, uh, uh, or Rudio. They didn't get either mm. of them, so they may look at that in January. Uh, mm. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting eight out of ten, though. I'd say eight out of yeah, ten. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spurs have had a good window. Yeah, Leeds, Spurs, Leeds. I I, uh, we didn't even talk about Leeds, Leeds but yeah, they've signed Rafinha, haven't they? Arsenal have had a good window as well. Um, so yeah. there's a lot of teams that have done. Rafinha, have done well. though, we we didn't really talk about that in our in our signings that have just happened. You know, twenty million, I think. Uh, exciting young winger, not necessarily got the 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 most uh, ludicrous goals and assists stats in terms of what statistics we do see these days, but certainly someone who could thrive under Marcelo Bielsa, like we say with almost every attacking talent. No, Leeds have had a, a pretty good win. I mean, you're right, James. In fact, many it's easier to say teams that haven't necessarily had those particularly good window it's because again, quite a few people have, and it's quite impressive that in the in, in the uh, in light of the coronavirus pandemic, which has affected the finances yes. of I, many clubs. I think it's interesting that a lot of these deals happened later because I think clubs at the beginning of the window thought that they wouldn't be able to bend. No. Um, and uh, some of us still don't. We assessed and realised, oh, actually, maybe we can. Mm-hmm. And a lot of lot of businesses has started to be done in the last six weeks or so. So, mm-hmm. yeah, which is why I kind of thought I didn't think it would happen in the way that it has. But uh, yeah, perfect segue, happened. James. Again, uh, well, not really perfect, but sort of from one fifteen minute to sort of the other. In that some clubs forgot that they could spend money, um, and maybe, or some things that didn't happen in general, really. I mean, this is sort of all the things that we expected to maybe happen that didn't. Uh, you know, uh, d- without touching on United too much, because we've spent a whole topic on that. To have, uh, you know, so many players that aren't going to be playing just sitting there claiming a lot of money. I mean, three goalkeepers on a hundred thousand plus a week, uh, unless. Romero does end up at Everton at some point, or, or another club. Seems seems like he wants to go to Everton. They'll have three goalkeepers on 100,000 plus a week. They'll have 
Uh, I think Phil Jones on 100,000 plus a week. Chris Smalling's going, so that'll be one off the uh, list. Uh, Jesse Lingard's still there, although perhaps um, perhaps maybe it's warranted given that he was having a you know tough time off the pitch um, based on some comments that he made at the end of last season. Yeah, I thought he would go, but yeah. Yeah, but but again, yeah, it, does, it doesn't mask the fact yeah, that didn't happen. there's so many players at United that possibly could have gone somewhere and haven't, and some haven't even been linked. I don't think I've seen Phil Jones linked with anyone, you know, so it's... Yeah, it's I think he was linked with West Ham like about two months ago, and that's it. Mm, and that, no, nothing's in then. <laughs> um, so many, yeah, though. A lot, of players, a lot of players that could have moved that haven't this window. Ozil. Chelsea have got a few. Ozil. Uh, you know, Emerson, looks like Emerson and Alonso will both be staying in Chelsea. Yeah. It's not ideal, uh, is it? Um, one of those you would have thought would have left. Uh, yeah, really good. Another one everyone thought would leave and didn't. Mm. And, uh, so there, there, there's that, I guess. And Declan Rice, I think a lot of people thought he would move, didn't move, uh, didn't materialise in the end. Uh Ben Rama is one that I thought would move. Yeah. yeah, very good um, shout. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think that could still happen because the championship deadline is not for another 10 days, I don't think. I think you could still buy from the championship for another 10 days. I think is that. I think that's how it works. They think it is, actually, yeah. It is. Yeah, um, um, still move, technically. Um, but I thought a club would have, one club would have, at least would have snapped him up. He was linked with a few clubs. He was linked with Crystal Palace, West Ham, Chelsea, Spurs, I think, at one point. Um, yeah. yeah. He, Leeds. Leeds. Leeds, yeah. Yeah, he was linked with a lot yeah. of clubs. I think it's, yeah, I think it's sad if he doesn't get a move to the Premier League because I'd like to see him in the Premier League. He's, well, actually, um, and it's probably unlikely as well with Leeds given that they've signed uh, Rafinha today. But, yeah. Uh, also, they were linked with. I mean, they, they, if you anyone watched the Leeds documentary on, it's on Amazon Prime. It's a good to watch. Um, they other football documentaries are available. They did. Um, they signed Daniel James, didn't they? On um, on um, uh, basically signed him on on the Jan- January deadline. And to be honest, we were talking again about how he went to United, hit the ground running, really really good performances he put together. Then it sort of, then he carried on playing and playing and also played himself out of form, really. Didn't really have an, because United were so short on options at the time when he came in. And then now he's sort of um, having a hard time uh, adjusting again. I think his confidence is shot, to be honest with you. Um, and I mean, he, he could have done really, I think, with a move to somewhere, like maybe Leeds, like we say, uh, who were previously interested because, you just, I mean, United's in a rough place at the moment, and it's not a nice place, I don't think, for a young player to be, particularly, especially if he's not playing well or hasn't been playing well or needs to prove himself. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely agree. Yeah, and, I mean, that's that's another one. I mean, there's a there's a, there's a few we can go out here. To be fair, um, you know, I mm. think that I think that. <laughs> I think that the, I, I t- talked about it before, but with Arsenal as well, I mean, one of the reasons Mikel Arteta, I suppose, is struggling to get players is because they also have a lot of excess baggage at the club. Uh, they've got rid of a few, to be fair. I think Socrates has gone. Gwen is out on loan uh, today. I think he went to to Liga, and I can't remember where. But Gwen out on loan, Torreira out on loan. Um, I think they've still got Kalasanach. Probably want to get rid of him. Ozil's sort of you know taking a lot of the club's finances don't necessarily blame the player there if the club is stupid enough to give him £350,000 a week then maybe <laughs> the, you know it's not Ozil's fault that he's on that money um, but you know I think I think Arsenal I think part of the reason why I was sort of saying Arsenal haven't had the revolutionary window they wanted is because like United like Chelsea and like others uh, they've struggled to get rid of the excess baggage that they've had but unlike Chelsea I think that really dictated how much they had to spend so they needed to offload more players to get Jose Maiwa to get um, other players that they were targeted with and it's and, it, and yeah. I, I feel like that's why we're having what-ifs with, with, with Arsenal 
what if they'd have gone for this player, that player? I think they were a club that were really dictated to by what they sold. Uh, I guess United were. were actually yeah, in many ways. They, yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I think. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Chelsea had a lot of money from the last twelve months, which they hadn't spent, and they spent most. They spent all of that. Uh, I think. I think Chelsea with Declan Rice were in a position of they needed to raise money to to finance that. That was the one they did need to finance, and they didn't because they couldn't get players off the books, and it didn't happen. So yeah, you're right, and um, it's difficult. I mean, and to be fair, it's difficult to get rid of players right now because oh yeah, with the pandemic, clubs don't have as much money. Players from big clubs who are on big wages, you know, getting loaned out, yes then the clubs have got to pay their wages, you know, or if they want to sign them, they've got to pay the transfer fee and then their wages. So it's, it's not, it's not easy in this window. So, um, yeah. And hopefully things pick up and anyway, next summer, things can start to, you know, the club, because the transfer market can start to get moving again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, it's been, um, it's been, it's been a strange one because, again, I, I talk about things we expected to happen didn't happen. I mean, Michael Burnley, as we sort of slightly touched on, we'll, we'll finish, I suppose, on this with, you know, very, very, uh, well, £1 million of Dale Stevens and uh, Will Norris on a free transfer. It's not inspiring stuff. Um, and you, it, it's a strange one, really, because I remember when it came out, Mike Garlick, the chairman, had said, you know, the club could go bust. If the season's not finished, if the coronavirus doesn't uh, allow the se- last season to finish, and, and we lose all the t- a lot most of the TV revenue, and I think Sean Dyche came out and said, "Oh no, that's probably a bit over the top." And I think what you've got is a chairman who really does plan for worst case scenario, which has its good and bad points. It's good points being the club will never um, will never be in any financial danger like some other clubs will in terms of overspending. They'll never uh, owe lots of money to clubs. But at the same time, uh, it can be difficult, you know, when a manager who wants to build and progress on what he's done at the club and take it to the next level doesn't have the opportunity to break or or at least move the financial goalposts. And those goalposts have been, restric- have been restricted this season massively because of the pandemic, I think. And he's taken that very seriously and some others maybe haven't taken it with as much seriousness. And that's going to frustrate the manager. But I think well, the thing that shocked me was getting rid of Jeff Hendrick, a performer who'd played under Sean Dyche for most of the season. You know, he was a regular under Sean Dyche, gave 100% every game, helped the shape massively, allowed Dwight McNeil to flourish on the other side. And they got rid of Jeff Hendrick for free. They offered him a contract, apparently, in the, at the 11th hour. I think it was, uh, I've heard it was on reduced terms. When in reality, they should have been a few weeks before giving him a contract on better terms because, you know, any replacement for Jeff Hendrick would have been financially a, a, a bigger cost to the club. You know, you know, you're spending 10, 15 million pounds to bring someone in to fill that right, that void on the right hand side when you could just be extending the contract of a player who's done really well for the club in a position that maybe wasn't his natural one. He's a central midfielder, but he still did very well there. And it, it was baffling to see the player leave on a free transfer, wait two months for a club to join to join a club, and then he went to Newcastle, which was a sideways move, probably. Um, and then, you know, if you if you sign him up on a contract, you've not got the pressure to bring in a, in a winger, and there was a pressure to bring in a winger, and it never happened uh, because they they pulled out of the Harry Wilson deal uh, that they were trying to negotiate. So it's, it's it isn't great for Burnley. But I would say, in 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 for some positivity, that Sean Dyche has worked miracles for many seasons, and I do think this squad is better than squads he's done worked with in the past. I think it's full of experience, full of character, full of uh, players who want to run through walls for him. And if he can maintain his desire uh, to work with these players that he clearly admires and has a lot of respect for, then I think it will be enough to. Uh, Push, push away a relegation threat, particularly when I've seen some teams that do look really up against it this season and haven't got the experience, the know-how and the um, and the and the past uh, evidence to suggest that this is just a blip in the first three or four games. 
what a wonderful way to what a wonderful mm. little analogy to finish I suppose it's quite bleak isn't it uh, you know little, little rants on the club but uh, yeah I mean this should be on this should be on Spotify iTunes Buzzsprout perhaps not YouTube now I think uh, our, our editor Sam does a remarkable job uh, in putting this up quickly uh, with with the audio so second shout out in two weeks to Sam and um, yeah uh, we'll see you next time I think it'll be less I suppose less transfer focus because the deadline's gone but uh, it will be uh, you know hopefully a, a, a thoroughly riveting listen for all you loyal listeners out there so see you later everyone and uh, yeah stay safe during these crazy times take care everyone stay safe